Well, it happens every year, and it happened in Kansas City. Now the injury bug has bitten. It's all over that. What's the fallout? Who's going where? And are we going to see a full tight end set this year? We're going to find out today on Locked On Chiefs. From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked On Chiefs podcast. Welcome back, everybody. It is nearing the end of training camp, and now is not the greatest time to get a bunch of injuries, but it happened today. We're going to go through it all for you. Latest updates on Jody Fortson, on Nico Romillo, uh, a lot of stuff that you need to know that you can only get from Matt Derrick because he's there every day. He's in the building. He knows what's going on. Matt's here with us today. I'm Ryan Tracy, the founder of Rogue Analytics and Performance Consulting, NFL33.com and RGRfootball.com. Thanks for making us your first listen. Now go check out another lockdown show for your next one because we're here five days a week. Every single day and then some this time of year, that's for sure. So make sure you like, sub, hit that bell on YouTube, and get subbed over on Spotify and Apple and everywhere else. Matt Derrick of Digest.com, editor at large and on the go. You were there for what seems like for a guy standing on the outside who wasn't in camp today, uh, an onslaught of injuries on what was a dry field, right, um, and decent temperatures. What happened? <laughs> Yeah, uh, it was a bad, bad stretch. I mean, uh, you know, Nico Ramijo was the first one to go down and uh, did a little. We were, they were doing some work on him. He was in the medical tent for a little while working on that shoulder. It ended up being a dislocation in the left shoulder. Had just gotten him up to the tent uh, or up to the facility rather when a Miss Mir Smith Marset goes over to the tent. And while he was in there, Justin Ross started walking over. And while the, tra- the training staff had to attend the Amir Smith Marset before they could get Justin. Ross in. So there was a stretch there where there was a receiver or two in the medical tent the entire time and uh and, and not great news for the for the Chiefs at all. I mean uh, today. I mean Ramijo's injury looks like um it wouldn't surprise me at all if this ends up being an injury reserve um and keeping him out for the season. Um it, it looked like it was fairly substantial. We'll we'll see. But in a in a situation like that for an undrafted rookie, um, you know, trying to squeeze him onto a 53 so you could bring him back later. Is usually not part of the equation. I mean, this is very similar to Justin Ross's situation last year. If this is going to be an injury that's going to keep him out for a while, he's probably going to end up by an IR, and that means he'll probably end the season there. Um, with Ross, um, you know, there was some thought maybe it was a, uh, just a, a spasm or a cramp at first, but as you said, it's only 68 degrees for practice today, so it wasn't a really demanding day. And Andy Reid told us that, you know, they were still looking at it, but it was in the, the knee, shin, hamstring kind of area, so um, they weren't at the end of practice entirely sure what the injury was. Uh, hopefully we'll get some clarification on that later today or sometime on Wednesday, but uh, that that's something to keep an eye on. And with Amir Smith-Marset, looks like it's a, a strained groin. That's another thing that, you know, hey, he was probably on the roster bubble. Maybe that pushes him one direction or the other. Um, so, but it, it challenges the depth. And that's one thing, you know, now that you've got three guys who might not play, plus Kadarius Tony, not going to play in this preseason game this week at Arizona. Um, Chiefs might have to go in the market for some more receivers just to have the depth that they want for three full teams. Yeah, that that's the challenging bit. Uh, and for Ramihio, let, let's be. Uh, very, very clear 
for everybody who hasn't seen the news or, or is hearing uh, in depth here. This is not the magical stub the show toe in the shower so you can stash him away. This is a significant injury that uh, was legit on the field and unfortunately will have the same effect as it did on Justin Ross last year that we can't see the fact that uh, I don't think he, he was going to make the roster to begin with. So he was destined for the practice squad. That's still a possibility, although the injury designation and all that goes into that. Is that how you feel having watched it on the field today? Yeah, and you know, and this is unfortunately for the Chiefs, their second uh, shoulder dislocation of this camp, with the other one being Jody Fortson. Um, he had his on July 28th, and here we are, you know, 18 days later, and and the Chiefs today put him on injured reserve because he is going to go have uh, soldier surgery on that. Um, we'll see. I mean, obviously, you don't have to make a, a decision immediately on Remigio. I mean, they can take their time if need be, um, but no, I mean, this is not one of those stash him away on the practice squad injuries on. Unfortunately, I mean, this is something that's probably going to turn this campaign into a red shirt for him. And, uh, you know, it's a tough break. But at the same time, he was probably going to be a practice squad guy this year. I mean, this, you know, for better or for worse, enables the Chiefs to keep control of him. You know, they, they don't have to risk him to the waiver wire and perhaps losing him. Um, you don't want to have to see the kid get through rehab. But the plan all along was really for him to have a better chance at this roster in 2024. He'll still have that chance when he gets back. Mm-hmm. And folks, we're going to talk about risers and fallers both post game and and due to this, as well as the fifty three man decisions that's coming up later. But for now, I think you hit on it. The biggest story, the biggest loss of the day, I think, in terms of guys that we were expected to have playing time, is Jody Fortson. This is a, the latest in a string of injuries for a player that. I don't think has ever hit his upside. I still feel like he has a lot of ceiling left to go achieve. This should be a season ender as well at this point, right? There's no way that he gets back in time to make the 53. Is that correct? Uh, making the 53, no. I mean, this this would, uh, would uh, in, ensures that he can't make the 53. Could he return at some point? There is a roster contortion rules where he could if he reached an injury settlement with the Chiefs, depending on how long that injury settlement is and it, it will be, if they even choose that route. Um, once again, I mean, he could stay the entire season with the club on injured reserve. That's a possibility. Um, but if they wanted him to try and, and return at some point, an injury settlement, wavering, and then resign signing down the road would be the only road to that. Um, and that has its own risk. You know, another team could claim him at some point in the process. So, yeah, uh, I mean, like you said, a terribly tough break. I know how popular Jody is both inside and outside the locker room. I mean, he has been a, a popular guy across the board since he got here in 2019. And a great story as a as a mini camp tryout player who made it through and won himself a job and has been in the league this long. But despite all the upside and potential, the injuries just keep hitting the poor kid. And um, yeah, I mean, this is another one. I mean, he is 27. So, you know, next year, 28. I mean, that makes it just all the more difficult to still have that potential tag. And and the Chiefs have some other options to tie it in. I mean, obviously they have a veteran like Blake Bell, but they've also got Matt Bushman. Um, honestly, Isaiah Gathings has looked pretty good since he got here too. And, and they've got a veteran like Kendall Blanton who's been around and had been a, a Super Bowl team before too. So they're not without options, but yeah, I mean, it's this is a, a tough one because like you said, I mean, the Chiefs have always felt like there's more out of Jody Fortson and the injuries just keep getting in the way. Unfortunately, that's that seems to be the tale of tape for a couple of guys. The Ross injury for me leaves ambiguity that that uh, ambiguity, excuse me. Um, there really is 
confounding right now. Like I find myself wanting to know because he just crossed off the big box for me and that he, he got through a ball game without an injury. But now is it a knee or is it a hamstring? Those are two significantly different injuries in my mind. And with his history, uh, are we just kind of sitting on pins and needles until we understand about this? Cause he is a guy that I think particularly with the numbers, you could project to the 53. Yeah. And, and, and watching it on uh, when he went, you know, I didn't see the injury happen. I mean, so I I can't tell you exactly what happened with the injury. I don't think any of us really saw it happen. He just all of a sudden started walking over to the medical tent and and walked on his own. I mean, he did not have a trainer with him when he was heading over there. Now, granted, there were a couple of guys with, uh, with Amir Smith-Marset at the time. So that was part of it, but it didn't look like anything of significant import. But then again, I mean, you never know with these things. Um, We'll see what the evaluation brings back. But yeah, the fact that the, the Chiefs were so vague and, and Andy Reid really didn't know what the injury was specifically. I mean, he said it was just in the knee, hamstring, shin category. So that brings a lot of options in, both you know minor and major. So <laughs> yeah, probably waiting until Wednesday to, to get the full scoop on, on what happened with him. And, and it might not even be until later in the week when we, we get the final word with Andy. Well, hopefully there are options. Um, you guys need some options, too. We're going to tell you about what happens. Rise and Falls are coming up next. The 53-man decision points that are coming later in the show. But right now, got to tell about our newest sponsor because I think you guys are going to dig them. It happens to be something that everybody can kind of use. I think you can get into it. But Nutrafol is there, and you don't have to decide between uh, – robust hair growth and your health because they do a little bit of everything for you. It's the number one dermatologist remembered hair growth supplement clinically shown to improve your hair growth, visual thickness, uh, visible scalp coverage, everything that you're looking for in, in hair growth supplements that uh, are used by physician formulated natural science backed ingredients. It's drug free. It's patented. It gives you the consistent, reliable results that you're looking for. And all you got to do is go to Nutrafol.com slash men to take care of uh, their health quiz. And that will help identify your needs and get you on the road towards better hair growth. Take the step forward with visibly thicker, healthier hair. And for a limited time, Nutrafol is offering for your, our listeners, uh, for your health, $10 off your first month's subscription and a free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com slash men and enter the promo code locked on NFL. That is N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com slash men. Promo code is locked on NFL. You want to check that out. Over 4,000 healthcare professionals recommended this product if you want to get healthier hair. So check that out. And we hope that you will be back with us because we are here every day, all day. And that's something that Matt always helps us out with, whether we're talking about supplements or supplements to the roster. And that's where the risers and fallers come in. We're not going to talk about the injury-specific pieces. I really wanted to get your take, Matt, on, on after having digested – uh, the ball game within the last 48 hours. I think some guys stood out. Some guys made their 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 qualms known about what they need to work on, but also made some some jabs for the roster. And I know what I feel, but everyone's heard my opinion. They're a little bit tired of it. So if if there was a, a takeaway on offense, who made their 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 joke, their 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 stab, their ploy to get on this roster in your mind on the offensive side of the ball? 
<laughs> yeah, you know, I I don't know to me if anything dramatically changed. Uh, honestly, um, the 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 one thing that was I, I think did change on the offensive side. It was not relevant and not necessarily visible on Sunday, but it was visible on the practice field on Tuesday, um, which is in the running back room because you know Deneric Prince has been the darling of offseason workouts and, and training camp, and you know he consistently been you know in that second or third position. He obviously got some work on Sunday. Um, whether this was a one-day situation or an overreaction to what they saw on Sunday or some issue, um, but he was at the bottom of the depth chart on Tuesday at training camp uh, with LaMichael La- P. Ryan had moved up ahead of him into the number three spot behind um, Clyde and behind McKinnon. M- Pacheco still you know, limited to the yellow contact jersey, so he wasn't, wasn't in there for most of the practice. Um, that's a little bit of a surprise in and of itself. I thought this might be the week that they take the yellow, yellow contact jersey jersey off of him but now it appears it won't be until next week in Kansas City um and, and even you know Jerry Neely was getting work ahead of, of Prince so um a better indication will for me will be on Wednesday when we get to see the kick return period um we'll see where he is in the line for that but if he's not back in line at the top of the, of the kick return then I'm going to be thinking that that's that that's the biggest faller from Sunday's game offensively I mean there were guys who had big games like for Mejio but you know I don't even know if there's any Anything that really changed it? I mean, if anything, it just solidified it. Richie James needs to be on this roster, um, you know, the, and, and this receivers group's deep. But I, I don't think anything really changed as far as the positions go. Okay, so I, I, I can I can ride with that. Is there anything in particular? Uh, I thought P Ryan showed more than I expected. Prince obviously a little bit less, but which do you feel probably has the bigger impact on that fourth slot, knowing that we have? Uh, Pacheco, despite my my admonitions, I get it. Ch is going to be here. We're we're on that, and obviously, Jerick McKinnon is going to be Jerick McKinnon. Uh, do you think now? Does this? Does anything that happened today change? Should there be four running backs on here? And if this does stick, and the return abilities are not enough, is that the end of the Prince to the fifty three run? And to me, Prince is Prince's you know claim to the 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 job was always going to be as the kick returner. Um, that he's going to get a spot on the fifty three. It was going to be because he was the one person that they felt had, could return kicks and nobody else can. Um, if they feel like that there's somebody else who's just as good as him and, and they're just concerned about the run aspect for him, and that he's not necessarily going to be a big part of their plans on offense, then yeah, I mean I think that really does hurt his chances. So to me, it's still kick return position or bust for for generic prince and and that's once again i mean even though the chiefs i do believe want to have as much depth as they can at that spot because they know the attrition of that running back position and including the fact that they got pacheco who is injured um that one's more significant to me almost now because you know you're talking about Chiefs wrapping up camp this week and he's still in the yellow jersey. They've got three practices next week and that's it before week one. You know, they're going to be, you know, they get a few days off before they start preparation for that, that Thursday night opener. So they've really only got three practices next week. Um, left to go to get him full contact. So that's the one concern with me and, you know, whether or not you want to keep a fourth running back or not, you know, they probably have a place and can get P Ryan and get Pinter Prince both on the practice squad and keep those bodies around. But, you know, I don't think there's any doubt from an offensive standpoint about what they feel like that they can get. I think there's a perception that, yeah, P Ryan's got a little bit more upside than Prince does right now. All that said, does that lead to the concept that we may not, have all the running backs 
in camp right now that are going to be on this roster this year? It's entirely possible because that's another thing that Brett Veach has done. I mean, he's he has scoured for running backs on the waiver wire and free agency. So hasn't been a surprise at all that he sometimes turned over, you know, what running backs are on the, the, that group from the practice squad. So entirely possible. The one thing I do think that obviously, I mean, if the Chiefs end up keeping three running backs on the 53, is that it makes the likelihood of four tight ends and seven wide receivers much more likely, um, especially if they feel like Tony is going to be available early in the the season, you know, uh, maybe not completely 100% to go in week one, but if they feel like it's not going to be long in, then I think you're definitely talking about seven receivers making the, the week one roster. So if we flip it over to the defensive side, I, I saw a lot to take away from from the youth that was out there, uh, a little bit from the veterans as well. Who who <clears throat> Who's the big riser on defense for you if you had to pick one? Yeah, you know, it was a bit of a surprise for me to, for Jalen Watson to to get the start and be out there, you know, with the first team. I, you know, he had been kind of you know lagging behind a little bit behind Joshua Williams, um, you know, and and honestly, I mean, they're very close together in there, mm-hmm. um, you know, so maybe it's not a big surprise. I mean, McDuffie and Snead, when healthy, are going to be the starters. Um, Williams and Watson are going to be the next guys in line, and 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 they're very, very they're just as close as they were last year, although this. You know, training camp for the most part, you know, Josh Williams has been ahead of Jalen Watson almost the entire camp. So that would be normally what I would see. So and we, like I said, kind of saw that again on, on Tuesday in camp. Um, but, I, I, you know, from a first team standpoint, I don't think there was a lot of changes. Although I will say, you know, from hearing from Andy Reid, you know, I didn't think he felt this on both sides of the football. There was there was a lack of urgency. There wasn't a lot of tempo from the offense and defense and the first team units. and. Personally, I, I mean that doesn't bother me a lot because you know if you, if your if your team's going to come out flat and it's going to be for a preseason game, that's fine by me because you know this team needs, is going to have to be up for a lot of games this year. And if they couldn't get up for on the road for the Saints in week one preseason, I don't think that's a huge red flag because you know this team can get up when it needs to. Yeah, I, I have to agree with that. Uh, the the faller for me is. Probably not significant. I didn't see a lot of fall off on the defensive side, but any question marks for you? Anybody that that gave you a little bit of concern? I don't, to me, there wasn't a huge amount. If anything, I think that it was, you know, some guys that are moving up a little bit, um, you know, and, and what we're seeing at training camp this week and really saw at the beginning of last week was the guys who are going to make this 53, even though maybe they're not all the way there yet as far as, you know, seizing and experience, they're starting to get more reps because now it's time to start preparing them. So a guy like Felix, who had been further mm-hmm. down in the depth chart and, and, be, and probably is still feeling his way through a little bit. I mean, I, I I didn't I thought it was sometimes a little bit rough on Sunday for him, but once again, I mean, he is behind. You know, he didn't have the offseason workout, so he's still playing catch up a little bit. But he's making the 53, which means he might need to get some work, which is why they were trying to get him a lot of snaps, even deep into that game on Sunday. Um, but I, I think that that coupled with the uncertainty with Chris Jones and now you got some uncertainty with Turk Wharton, too, because he hasn't been in practice the, the last few times out there. Um, Malik. Herring and Joshua Kando, who are both guys who are, you know, on the fence, might be further on to the 53 than you think. Um, you know, and if injuries continue to hit the secondary, Echo Boido and, and Khalif Halasi are both actual very strong candidates. I mean, I still think that, that all things being equal, they end up on the practice squad. But if injuries continue to hit, those guys, I thought, made good cases for themselves on Sunday. 
I, I agree with you completely. And there's there's one other stand down defense that that I do want to address because it's going to make a big impact on the way you shift the 53. We're going to do that right after this. So you mentioned the D-backs that I, I think showed out, and you have you have great insight there because I completely agree with you that some of those guys are going to have an opportunity to squeeze on. We are waiting on Nick Jones updates, folks, so when we know that, that will help clarify some of that situation. But I think maybe the thing that took me the most aback was not just that uh, the weight loss paid off, but that Danny Shelton looked good again, like as good as we've seen him, especially in backside pursuit, uh, being able to be nimble. Now, I, I can't say that he's ready to play 60 snaps in a ball game, but he was dramatically farther along than I expected him to be. And that might be the wrinkle that I wasn't expecting because I thought Daniel Wise played just fine as well. Do you see in, in that particular defensive tackle rotation, knowing that Keandre Coburn's in there too, do you see that now becoming a, a bit of a decision point? Yeah, I do. And I'm glad you brought up Danny Shelton because I, I do think he needs to be brought into consideration for the 53, especially because once again, we're going back to you got questions with Chris Jones and Tershawn Wharton. If you had to go and start the season right now, they had to go play to, you know, the Lions tomorrow. Yeah, Derek Naughty and, and Daniel Wise would probably be your starters inside. And next man up would probably be Danny Shelton. Um, the Chiefs after that, I mean, Condra, Condra, Coburn's absolutely there too. But honestly, I mean, I mean, I think they would then start to look at, at some of the guys that they're talking about rotating and, and that where Malik Herring is probably the next best can, candidate in that category, even though he's really more of a pass rusher and more of an edge kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, they do feel like he is somebody that they can kick inside on occasion and not just merely on, on third down passing situations, but, you know, maybe being a guy that can play all four spots on the line if needed, because with the Amenahua suspension and a few other things, you know, they need some flexibility on that line. I mean, they need maybe a guy or two that they can plug in a lot of different spots because they're going to have some question marks at the beginning of the season. Yeah, I I have to feel that that's going to be something that's going to have to take uh, a lot of work to work out how you're going to approach that. The other one that I the, that is kind of the opposite situation for me is this brings a lot of clarity right now. If, again, if they had to play the Lions tomorrow and the 53 was being decided tonight, wide receiver position did clean itself up in terms of who's available. We talked about earlier, Ramia going to uh, IR and possibly was going to be most likely a practice squad to begin with. Same thing with uh, Smith-Marset. I, I didn't have him slotted into the top seven. And now with the additional to Justin Ross, if that lingers in any way, shape, or form, now that becomes a reason why you might actually be able to get him to the practice squad. I did have him down there uh, with Rasheed Rice uh, and obviously with Justin Watson and Richie James solidifying. It was going to have to be seven for Ross, for, in my opinion. Uh, I would have had him in the seventh spot. This maybe alleviate that that log jam. If anybody has to miss any time, you could maybe put them on there, take them right back off, get them on the, to the practice squad and really only run with six come the regular season. Is that a scenario that you think could work out? And if so, do you like it? Yeah, it's a, it's a distinct possibility. And, you know, and hey, and this caveat being, let's see what happens with the Ross injury. We're assuming that that's not going to be anything that's going to be long term. Um, but you've now got a couple of guys that, you know, you can at least bring into the equation of talking about, do they need to start the season on IR and be somebody that you can bring back? Because as we discussed earlier with Jody, you go on injured reserve now you can't come back. I mean, there's, 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 like I said, there's some roster shenanigans where you can, but it's best just to think if you go on IR before the break, the cut down to 53 on August 29th, your season is essentially done. So if they need to get a Kadarius Tony 
and or a Nick Jones and or, you know, a Justin Ross onto injured reserve. So they could be designated to return later. You know, you, you need some help there. And, you know, and that's definitely going to affect, you know, how you would you know, construct a roster. But when I talked to Brett Veach last week, you know, he identified to me, you know, where the position groups are that are going to be the most difficult final roster decisions. And it's going to be whether they keep three quarterbacks, whether they keep four tight ends, a seventh receiver, a sixth corner, or a fifth safety. You can't have all of those. But those are, I mean, the roster bubble spots. Those are the last five spots that are going to be the most difficult. And, I mean, right now, I mean, I think that it favors them on offense to keep all of those, um, keeping three quarterbacks, keeping four tight ends. The one caveat with that is that Blake Bell has a very, very friendly contract that – if you need to have somebody that's a veteran that you cut for a day to re-sign so you can put somebody on IR, that's probably the guy. So I could see the Chiefs cutting down to 53 with three tight ends, but having a fourth pretty quickly. Yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense to me. And and you hit the last point. Folks, if you want to see more of the, the conversation with Brett Veach, you can check out Matt's work over at ChiefsDigest.com. Go check that out today because you, you need to get this info. For me, you hit it directly on, on what my last point was going to be. It does come down to, do you need Echo Boyd and, and Khalif Halasi, or is it you do need Dion Bush for special teams? Is it five safeties? Is it six corners? It's one or the other in that group. I can't see them keeping 11 DBs. Do you? <laughs> It's going to be hard. I mean, you know, keeping both six corners and five safeties, which I, th- I think how the numbers would come down to would be difficult to do. Um, the injuries are starting to make it a little bit, you know, more questionable about how many, you know, maybe you can justify keeping. Um, when you're talking about six corners at one point, you know, you know, certainly Nazi would have been in that conversation as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but Nick, you know, Nick Jones's injury maybe makes it, you know, now do you need to keep a couple of young guys? Um, yeah, it's going to be tough. And, and Deion Bush is absolutely right. I mean, and but now. I think you almost maybe need to bring Mike Edwards into that question because he's now had a couple of injuries that he's been battling. Um, Andy Reid says this latest one, he did, did not practice on Tuesday, uh, but he got his ankle stepped on. So it doesn't appear to be serious. X-rays were negative, but you know, he's had a couple of injuries that he has dealt with. And and while I think that the chiefs would keep him, I think it is a question. Uh, yeah. If, you know, do you have the luxury of keeping Dion Bush for special teams? Um, you know, that, that's going to be tough enough, but I think you're right. I mean, 10, 10 defensive backs is probably it. So 11 is going to be tough. Yeah, it, there's a lot of decisions yet to be made, folks, and a lot of things that hinge on them. You can get all the information you need at ChiefsDigest.com, and you should always hit us here, both on YouTube, if you like sub and hit the bell, and on the audio platforms. You can find us everywhere. We do appreciate you guys being here, Matt. We appreciate you getting us updated on everything. Always a pleasure. Take care, everybody. Enjoy your time, folks. Camp is about to wrap. We'll have more injury updates for you as soon as we have.